Today's reading is from Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me, do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you, Isaiah. We're continuing our study in the Gospel of Mark, receiving, receiving the King. So Jesus, right out of the chute, his public ministry, he announces that the kingdom of God is at hand, and to repent, believe the good news of the Gospel, and enter into this kingdom. And so he has been establishing that he, in fact, is the king. And over the last number of weeks, as we've entered the second part of Mark, after Peter's confession that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and Jesus says, you are correct, that's from your, my father, revealed that to you. Now, now he's been starting to reveal, well, what kind of a king is he? What kind of a kingdom? What kind of a kingdom is this? And uh, we've been seeing the upside-down nature of that kingdom. Last week, the disciples are arguing about who's the greatest and what it means to be great. And Jesus asks them, what are you arguing about? And they're ashamed. And, and he tells them that to become great, you must be the servant, the least of these and the servant of all. And he takes up a child and he says, you have to become like a child. And, and here again... Here again, we are in, in chapter 10, and he's had a brief encounter with the Pharisees, and I'll get to that uh, momentarily. But once again, he picks up a child. He picks up a child. There's a pattern here. There's a pattern emerging. He's trying to show us the upside-down nature of the child. We think we've got it all figured out as adults. We think we know everything. Well, once you get 15, you officially know everything. And then the older you get, you realize you know nothing. Or maybe you don't realize that. And, and what Jesus is doing, he's taking this little child and he's saying, this is, the, this is what it means to be great. In fact, I'll go, be, go on one further. You can't even enter the kingdom of God unless you become like one of these little children. So we're going to take a look. At, at what it means to have the heart of a child. Jesus is not admonishing us and encouraging us to be childish. There's a lot of things about children you don't want to emulate. Okay? Uh, if and any of you have had children, you know that. But there is something about them. There is something about them that God wants us to see and desire and become. So we're going to look at the principle as it is stated in the scripture that we just, we just heard read, verses 13 through 16. Then Jesus is going to give us a contrast. So he says, okay, be like this, and then you're going to see the exact opposite. The exact opposite. And then, as, as in, in, that, in that text, and then we're going to, to move on to, okay, well, what, how do you do it? What's the example? What's the example? So turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 10. Let's go... To our Heavenly Father, Abba, as his children, and let's ask him to speak to us through his word. Father, we come to you humble and dependent. Um, Lord, many of us are adults, and we've long since passed childhood, but Lord, I pray that you would give us the heart of a child, the heart of a child that believes, that's dependent, that knows that we need you, and knows that you will provide as our Abba. Uh, Father, I pray for myself. I pray that you give me your words to speak truth with grace, with humility, uh, to give hope. 
And Lord Jesus, I pray that you would speak to us through your word. Thank you for giving your life for us. Thank you that you depended on your heavenly father for all things. And we pray that you'd speak to us this morning through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, the principle. Uh, First, a little context. Uh, Jesus, uh, in verses 1 through 12, was accosted by the Pharisees. They came to him with a question. They came to him with a question, but it's not a question. You know when a question is not a question? Uh, the, the Pharisees never come to Jesus with sincere questions. You know what a child does? When a child comes to their parent and they ask a question, they're not trying to trick mom and dad. They just want to know, why is the sky blue? Why is the grass green? How are babies born? They, they ask all sorts of awkward questions, they are, but they want to know. The Pharisees, when they're asking Jesus questions, they don't want to know. They want to test him. They want to test him. So they ask him a question about divorce, and, and Jesus engages with them. And then as soon as that, that, uh, that, that little discourse with the Pharisees of the non-question question, because they don't really want to know, they just want to test Jesus, now all of a sudden, people begin to bring children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuke them. How many of you you don't really care for children unless they're your own. Can, can we just have a show of honest hands? I'm, I used to be that way. I'm becoming, I'm becoming more uh, appreciative and, and I, see, I see the value in little children. I'm just being real. I'm telling you that used to be, I just, I, there was a time in my past where I just, little kids bothered me. Little kids bothered me. The disciples are like that. People are coming to Jesus with little kids and they want Jesus to bless them. And the disciples are like, we're the adults. We have important things to do. These children are not part of Jesus' agenda. Now, how does Jesus respond to that? Verse 14, when Jesus saw it, he was indignant. Again, it's not a word that we typically use. What does that mean? He was ticked. He's angry. At whom? The children for interrupting his important discourse? No, he's angry with the disciples for being angry with the parents who are bringing their children. He's indignant with the disciples. And so he says, let the children come to me and do not hinder them for to such belong the kingdom of God. And then he doubles down on it. Look at verse 15 and he says, truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And then he took them, the children, in his arms. That, that phrase, took them in his arms, it, it could be translated literally, he brought them close to his chest. He hugged them, he embraced them. And, and, and he blessed them, laying his hands on them. Okay, let's take a look at this. That's an important statement. Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. That's an either or. Either you do or you don't. And if you don't, you can't enter. That's an exclusionary principle here. Jesus is drawing a line in the sand and says, you want to enter the kingdom of God? You got to receive it like a child. Well, that begs the question. How, pray tell, does a child receive the kingdom? What is it about a child that makes them able to enter, but those who don't become like a child, it bars them from entrance? That's the question. That's the question. Jesus says something very similar. Matthew records this in Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 through 4. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? 
And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and says, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, he gives us a little bit more on this in the next verse in verse 4. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Okay. Now, let me tell you what that I don't believe Jesus means. I don't believe that Jesus is pointing to this child who used to be really proud and arrogant, but the child has humbled himself and now he's able to enter. No, I, I, don't, I don't think that's the case. There's not a lot of toddlers who are inherently uh, think they're powerful people. They just don't. They have no status. They have no status. The point is, the kid doesn't have any status and the kid doesn't think that he's better or, or, or more accomplished than anyone else. He doesn't need to humble himself because he's already in a state of humble dependence. That, that's the point. You need, the child didn't humble himself. He's saying, you need to humble yourself so you can be like this child. You can be like this child. It, it means to become utterly dependent. It, it means to become dependent. If you want to enter the kingdom, you have to be dependent. Now, we're going to spend most of our time talking about uh, a verse that I've preached on a number of times, which is a complete antithesis to what a child is. It's a contrast. It's a contrast. And I'll, I'll make the connection here momentarily, but let's, let's just walk through it. What, what happens as he was setting out on his journey, so the, the child story is done, and now he sets out on his journey, and a man ran up to him, knelt before him and said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, what has Jesus just been talking about? What do you have to do to enter the kingdom? Right? So you see the connection. Now somebody runs up and says, what do I got to do to inherit eternal life? It's the same question. It's just worded differently. And Jesus says to him, why do you call me good? No one good is good, but God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. So he, he only lists five, and then he adds another one, which is a subcategory of the don't steal, the defraud. It means to cheat someone. So he says, well, you know the commandments, and then he only gives five. And he doesn't explain why he lists five. Do you think Jesus forgot the other five? I doubt it. I'm pretty sure that Jesus didn't forget the other five, but he lists a few of them. He lists a few. And, and he said to him, Teacher, all these I've kept from my youth. Really? Now, he could be... He could be hypocritical like a Pharisee. He could be hypocritical like a Pharisee who, who, who's trying to prop himself up. Or he could be totally sincere, but he really doesn't understand the depth of what, what the law is. I think it's the latter. I think he's being totally sincere, and he literally thinks that he's kept these commandments from his youth. 
Um, I, I believe that because of the next verse, verse 21. Jesus, looking at him, loved him. That's the only place where, where that, that, that's, that's ever stated. Jesus looks at him and loves him. In other words, he feels, he feels compassion for him. Now, when the Pharisees are hypocritical and the Pharisees say things which are hypocritical, does Jesus look at them and, and just, just love them? No, he's, when the disciples tried to turn the child, children away, how did Jesus feel about the disciples? He was what? He was indignant. Now, this guy says, I've kept all the commandments, and Jesus is just like, oh, oh man. I just, his heart just goes out to this guy. He's just thinking, he's, he's totally clueless. It's not indignant, it's just compassion and love. And then he tells him, you lack one thing. Just just one little thing. Just one thing. Sell all that you have and give it to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. Just one thing. Okay, now, one of the commandments he didn't mention was thou shalt not covet. Desire neighbor's possessions. He didn't talk about you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you shall have one God and one God only. He didn't talk about idolatry. He just talked about don't murder, don't lie, honor your mom, honor your dad, etc. Ah, I've got that. Yeah, but you're still lacking something. So you need to sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and then come follow me. And it says in verse 22, disheartened or saddened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. He had great possessions. All right. Let's take a look. Let's keep going. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Now, as Americans living in the most prosperous nation in the world, in the most prosperous period in the history of the world, you should read this and be just a little bit nervous. If you're not, you're not paying attention. Awkward pause to let you ponder this. Now, I don't want you to be, to be fearful, but I want you to be asking the question, what does that mean? What does that mean for me? What does that mean for us? Jesus says, it's difficult. How difficult will it be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were amazed, amazed at his words. Why are they amazed? In their time, they, they equated wealth and prosperity with the blessing of God. If a person was wealthy, if a person was prosperous, they took that to mean that God had blessed them. And now Jesus is saying, he's not, he's saying, listen, it's going to be difficult for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. That throws everything upside down the way that they viewed the world. And they're amazed. But Jesus said to them again, how's he address them? He calls them children. That's significant. That's significant. Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Okay. What does that mean? 
Three words. Context. The second word is context. And the third word is context. What has he just told them before this happened? You cannot enter the kingdom unless you become like this little child and humble yourself. Immediately, a man comes up, drops at his feet and says, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? He says, well, what do the commandments say? Well, I've kept all the commandments. Well, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor. He goes away sad. Why? It's not, not a trick question. Why does he go away sad? Because he has much. He has all of this stuff. Now, if he gives it up, if he gives it up, who's going to feed him? God. Okay. Here's the thing. To become like a little child, this very wealthy man has to learn to depend on his heavenly father like a child would his parents. How many of you prayed for your daily bread yesterday? I saw two hands. How many of you didn't pray for your daily bread yesterday? I didn't. Why not? Because my cupboard is full of bread. Because I get paid bi-weekly. I'm not worried. I'm, I'm supposed to be dependent, but honestly, are we though? I mean, do we ever think about where our next meal's coming from? Do you know who thinks about where the next meal's coming from? The poor that don't, uh, can't afford to feed themselves, and children. When a child is hungry, what do they do? If they're an infant, they cry. If they're not an infant, what do they do? They ask mom and dad if they can have a pudding pop. They, they just ask. When a child wants something, what do they do? It's not a trick question. They ask. And do they limit themselves on what they ask for? No, they ask all the time. They ask questions about the way the world works. They ask for lunch. They ask for breakfast. They ask if they can watch cartoons. They ask if they can watch YouTube. They, I have to update my illustrations. They have to, they have to ask if they, can, if they can play video games. They have to ask, can I do this? Can I do that? Mom, give me this. Mom, give me that. Dad, give me this. Dad, give me that. When the rich person's hungry, what does he do? He buys a sandwich. Do you see the difference? The person who has is in danger of not being dependent upon their heavenly father who wants to provide for their every need. You don't don't have any needs. He doesn't have any needs. If he gives away everything, if he sells everything and gives it to the poor, all of a sudden, he'll have to start asking his father to give him his daily bread. That's a risk he's not willing to take. This is not so much about wealth as it is about dependence. It just so happens that those with wealth are in danger of not sensing their dependence on their heavenly father. I think there's a reason why he addresses them as children. I think these these passages are linked. These passages are linked. When a child has any need, they ask. 
Just turn ahead to John chapter 14. I'm just going to quickly fly by some verses here. I was, just for my own personal devotion, it had nothing to do with my teaching. I just need to be fed by the word of God. I happen to be going through John. And Jesus is talking to his disciples, teaching them on, on the night he was betrayed. And I just noticed this pattern. I'm also reading a book, finished a book uh, that I've read twice through now over the last 10 years by Paul Little, Paul Miller, I'm sorry, called A Praying Life. And he brings up this, this, this observation about how many times Jesus says, ask. And just a, just a preview, John 14, verse 13, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. John 15, verse 7, the famous abiding passage. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. John 15, verse 16. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the father in my name, I may give it to you. And then closer to the end, uh, in, in chapter 16, verse 24, until now you've asked nothing in my name, ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Do you know what little kids do when they want something? They ask and they ask for everything. And I, I, I read through that and I'm looking through that and I'm like thinking to myself, how often do I ask for what I need? compared to how often do I plan, strive, strategize, and try to figure out on my own. Jesus is telling these disciples, listen, do you want to enter the kingdom? Do you want to be great? Then, then humble yourself like a child and start asking for me. Start asking. Up until this point, you haven't asked for anything. You didn't even ask for a sandwich. Humble yourself, become like a child, and when you're hungry, ask. When you can't figure something out, ask. When you want to know why the sky is blue, ask. When you want to know why the grass is green, ask. When you want to know why you can't tie your shoe, ask. When you want to know why you can't love your wife, ask. When you want to know how, what it means to, to love a child, ask. When you want to know what it means to love your neighbors yourself, ask. When you recognize you don't have the power to love your neighbors yourself, ask. Do you see it's a pattern, maybe? But we're so self-sufficient, we're so strong, we're so smart. Jesus says, ask. What do children do? They ask. What do the rich not do? Ask. They don't need to ask. And then when Jesus tells him to sell everything that he has and come and follow him, he goes away sad. Why? Because he's so used to being self-sufficient and not needing to rely on anyone but himself. The thought of becoming dependent like a child is utterly terrifying. And that's why he can't enter the kingdom of God. It's not because he's rich. It's because he can't bear the thought of being dependent. Abraham, 
Genesis chapter 12 referred to as a friend of God, a great man of faith, the patriarch. Three faiths come from Abraham, his descendants. Judaism, Christianity, his son Ishmael, eventually the Arab nations. He was exorbitantly wealthy. That didn't bar him from entering the kingdom. Why? Because God told him to leave his homeland and go to the place that he would show him. And he said, I will bless you and I will make you a blessing to the nations. Do you know what Abraham was willing to do? Become completely dependent on his heavenly father. And by the way, he was very wealthy. Wealth is not the issue. Dependence is the issue. But there's a correlation between wealth and a lack of dependence. And that's why Jesus says it's harder for the rich, or it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for the rich to enter the kingdom. Why? Not because they're rich, but because they've learned self-dependence. They've learned self-dependence. And by the way, Abraham at times demonstrated himself to be self-dependent and it got him into trouble. All of us demonstrate at times that we have a tendency to be more self-reliant than God-dependent. So that's the example here. That's the example here. Um, Again, going back to, I didn't cover this, I just mentioned it. But if you look at Mark chapter 10 verses 1 through 12, you have the Pharisees and they come to Jesus with a question. And what's the question in verse 2? Is it lawful a man for to divorce his wife? It's a non-question question. That's not how kids work. They want to know because they don't know. The Pharisees are not asking because they don't know. The Pharisees are asking because they are looking for loopholes and they want to trap Jesus. Again, one more example of a group of people who think they have it all figured out and they don't need Jesus and they just want to ask questions to demonstrate that they don't need Jesus. That's the issue here. It's an issue of dependence. It's an issue of not being childlike. Now let's take a look at the example. They were exceedingly astonished, they being the disciples, and they said to one another, who can be saved then? Remember, their worldview, their worldview, and their, the, the thought of the day is to be blessed, to be prosperous, equals blessing from God, which means you've been accepted and you're approved of by God. And Jesus is throwing this on its, on its head, flipping it over and saying, yeah, you've got to be like a child. You've got to become dependent. And then in this guy's case, he's the opposite of dependent. So the only way for him to learn dependence is to get rid of everything he has and, and start following Jesus. And the disciples are like, I what? Well, who could be saved then? And then Jesus looks at them and says, well, you know, with man, it's impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. Um, so you shall Richard get baptized. Yeah? Right? Now, Richard... Not a trick question. Young guy, old guy. Okay, he's, he's, he's leaning on the side of older, physically. Certainly doesn't look like a child. Doesn't look like a child. And he, he, he mentioned John three seventeen. I didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. The context of that verse comes from a discourse that Jesus had with another older guy named Nicodemus who thought he had it all figured out. You know what he told Nicodemus? 
you can't enter the kingdom of God unless you're born again. You can't go any younger than that. He didn't say you must become a child. He said you have to be born again and be born into the kingdom as an infant. Are you willing to be an infant, Nicodemus? Nicodemus responded almost the same way that Peter did. He didn't say who then can be saved. He's like, what does that mean? Is a man supposed to enter his mother's womb a second time? Which again is not a question. It's a statement that what you said makes no sense, Jesus. Do you see the problem with having it all figured out? Jesus is telling Nicodemus, he's telling Richard, he's telling me, he's telling the disciples, yeah, with man it's impossible, but it's not impossible with God. And then Peter says, well, we've left everything and followed you. And how does Jesus respond? I know. Truly, I say to you, there's no one who's left houses, brothers, sisters, or mother, father, children, or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time in houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecution and in, this, in the age to come, eternal life. Many who are first will be last and the last first. Here's what he said to Peter. It's like, Peter, I know. I know. You are my children. That's why I called you children. You have become dependent and you have trusted me and you followed me and you are trusting me for your existence. I know I'm, this lesson isn't for you. I'm just trying to help you understand what I'm telling you when I say become like a child. Your childlike dependence is demonstrated in the fact that you follow me wherever I go, you go. And you have walked away from your family. You have walked away from homes. You've done everything the rich man's not willing to do. Now, if Peter went home, back to Capernaum, do you know what's waiting for him there? His house and his wife. He didn't sell them. Jesus didn't ask Peter to do what he asked the rich man to do. He's not asking everyone to sell all their possessions. What he is asking and what he's requiring is complete and absolute trust and dependence. And in the case of the rich man and many who are rich, their wealth is the hindrance and that's why they will never become dependent. It's because they've never had to ask their father for a sandwich. They've just purchased it. And they don't see the connection between their God-given gifts and ability and God's provision. They think it's all them. The disciples have made choices that required them to depend upon their heavenly father. And God's provided every step of the way. And it hasn't been that there haven't been times where they've, they've gotten skittish and they're nervous. Multiple times. Lord, we forgot to bring bread. How are we going to eat? So this, is, this isn't new. They're, but th again, they're like, that's a childlike question. They are depending. They are depending. With, with man, it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. But you've got to trust. You have to trust. We have to learn to become dependent. We have to learn to become dependent. Here's some, some questions to, to, to ruminate on, to think about. You may want to write them down because... This is stuff you want to meditate on through the rest of the week. Some questions to think about. How am I rich? How are, how are you wealthy? How are you rich? 
compared to everyone in the rest of the world, you're wealthy materially. Most of you. Except for the kids who have nothing. And no status and no jobs. But your parents provide for you. So the adults in the room, those who have jobs, those who have a home, those who have a a 401k, those who have whatever, in what ways are you rich? It may not be materially. It may be rich in friends, rich in spiritual gifts, rich in family. What, What resources, what blessings have been entrusted to you? Entrusting to, entrusted to you. So that, that's the first question. How am I rich? Being wealthy and having much is not in and of itself the problem. Another question, where am I dependent? In the Lord's Prayer, it says, he teaches his disciples to pray, give us today our daily bread. What? Where do you ask, where do you find yourself? Oh, Lord, I am in need. I am in need. Provide for me. If you don't provide for me, I will be without. Where am I dependent? Or are you more likely to just go to him when the rug is pulled out from underneath you or you screw things up? And then you only know your dependence. A child knows their dependence at all time. They're depend- that's, that's the definition. They know. I, I can't. Ma, where's the cornflakes? Where's the milk? He, he, they don't tell you to go to the store. They just open the fridge knowing that you've been to the store. And if there's nothing there, they'll tell you. Where am I dependent? Now... This third question gets into meddling. Am I willing to become dependent? Are you willing to do something with your life to adjust your life in such a way that you have to depend or you'll go without? Am I willing to become dependent? And that's not just on material matters. It's on matters of faith. God says, Jesus says to to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Bread gives us sustenance and the strength to do what God's will is. What has God called you to do? Are you willing to walk out and step out in obedience in such a way that if God doesn't provide you the strength, the gifts, or the resources, you'll look utterly foolish? Are you, are you willing to step out like that? Am I willing to become dependent? If not, why not? The rich young ruler was not willing to become dependent. And we know why not, because Mark tells us, because he had great possessions. He wasn't willing to become dependent because he had become dependent on stuff and his ability to provide stuff. And he wasn't willing to part with that stuff so that he could lean on his heavenly father who said, if you seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, I'll provide all these things for you. further down the line of intrusive questions. What can I do to foster dependence? For the rich young ruler, it's clear. Sell everything you have and give the proceeds away to the poor. That will guarantee you that tomorrow you'll have to be dependent. 
not going to do it. Okay, that's, I'm not telling you that God is telling you to sell all your possessions. I am telling you that the scriptures say that we're to be dependent. So the question is, between you and the Holy Spirit, you say, well, Brooks, I don't know what to do. What would a child do if they didn't know what to do? They would ask. So what do we do? Ask. Lord, I don't know exactly how I'm supposed to apply this message. Do you want me to liquidate all my assets and give it to the poor? How many of you are literally afraid to ask the Lord that? Okay. A few honest people. Okay. But ask him, Lord, what do you want me to do practically that would cause me to have to step out in faith and trust you to provide for me financially, in terms of spiritual gifts, in terms of giving me the courage to obey your will? Lord, you've got to provide for me because I don't, I can't do it. If you don't know the answer, some of you already know the answer to that question. The Lord's been bugging you or, or prompting you for months, weeks, some of you for years. And you've been afraid to obey him for whatever reason, because you don't think he'll provide. You already know the question. For many of you, you don't know the answer to that question. And so your first step is to say, Lord, what do you want me to do that would cause me to foster dependence on you? And then whatever the Holy Spirit prompts you to do, just, you do. Again, not so that you can earn favor with him, so that you can experience what it's like for your father to provide. And, and just as importantly, so that you can experience God using you to advance his kingdom. And then ask this question of yourself. What about dependence causes you fear? What does a kid do when they're afraid? They run to their parents. So if you're afraid of becoming dependent, run to your father and tell him, I know what, it, what you want me to do, but I'm afraid to do it. Do you know what parents do for their kids when they run to them and are afraid? They comfort them. They encourage them. They strengthen them. They provide for them. That's all Jesus is saying. You want to be great? You got to become like a child. Do you want to enter the kingdom of God? You got to become like a child. Not childish, but dependent. Dependent. You'll find that as you read through the scriptures that Jesus continually will tell his disciples, I can do nothing except what the Father has given me to do. I will say nothing except what the Father has given me to say. I can do nothing apart from the Father empowering me. What is, what is he modeling here? He's modeling what it looks like to be completely dependent. And then he comes to his Father and he's asking all the time. And then he goes to his disciples and he says, if you would just ask, if you would just ask, I would encourage you, myself, to become humble and childlike and begin to foster a relationship with your father, which is dependent upon his goodness and his beloved benevolence and his mercy. And ask. And ask. Let's pray. Father, we come to you. Forgive us our unbelief. We do believe, but our faith is weak. Our faith is often timid. 
we do oftentimes lack the faith of a child which is completely trusting in their parents. Lord, help us to become dependent upon you. Father, as as you sent your son who is dependent upon you to give him the strength and the grace and the mercy to give his life as a ransom for many, thank you, Lord, that you have given your life for us. I pray that you would pour out your mercy on us. I pray that you would teach us to believe, teach us to have faith, teach us to be childlike in our humbleness and our dependence upon you. And Father, I pray that you would speak to individual hearts. Each person here is on their own faith journey. Some have yet to begin to follow you. Others have begun to follow you, but they too, like the disciples, are still trying to figure things out. Lord, we come to you in independence and we ask you to show us the way. Shine a light at our feet that you might show us where to step and give us the courage to step. If you have given us specific tasks, Lord, would you reveal those tasks to us that we might humble ourselves in obedience and learn to trust. And God, I pray that you provide the grace and the strength and the courage for obedience. Thank you, Lord, that our obedience is not what saves us. It's your obedience on the cross. And Lord, we pray that you would manifest yourself to us, that we might experience your joy, that may I experience your love, the love of a father for his children. Father, thank you for all these blessings. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless, go in grace. And if you would like to be prayed for or you have a prayer request, there'll be people up front to pray with you.